0: God is so good. He's always good. He's only good. You can't do what you don't know what to do, how to do. And he can only do good. That's what he does. Amen? Amen. You know, it's a line you have to draw in the sand. God good, devil bad. (laughs) All good things come from God. No shifting shadow, no variance. Amen. He's good. He's always good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I learned that, I learned that within the first few months of being saved. And that really did change my outlook on a lot of things. Realizing that God is a good God. Amen. 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 Would you open with me to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25? Thank you, Father. That we come before you to hear your word, to receive from heaven, to receive from your Holy Spirit. Lord, you are our teacher and our guide, so we ask you to guide us and teach us in the truth, that you would impart revelation into our spirit, that it would take hold within our heart, that we'll leave here different than when we came in, that the word and the anointing on the word will change us into a different person. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Proverbs eleven twenty five. we looked at this last week. It said, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be warded. You know, generosity brings increase. Isn't that right? And of course, it's a matter of faith. You have to have faith in your generosity, in being generous, and declaring the word of faith over your generosity. You know, it's not just doing something, but it's declaring what the Word of God says in what you're doing. Because it comes from your heart. Out of your heart comes the forces of life, out of your mouth, and then it gets shown into your action. And we saw last week where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Amen. Amen. If you want to know where your heart is, just follow your money. Isn't that right? Amen. Look at the Passion Translation of verse 25. The Passion Translation. It says, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice what it says there. Those who live to bless others. Living, living to bless, okay? And then it says that he pours out his life to pour out blessings to others. See, this is a lifestyle. Isn't that right? It's a lifestyle that produces prosperity And being saturated, saturated with favor, which is grace, saturated with the grace of God. We know the grace of God is for all of us, but wouldn't you like to be saturated in it? Amen. Praise God. See, this is the difference between a one-time generous act and a lifestyle, a lifestyle of generosity. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we believe God for a certain thing, okay? but you can believe God for a certain thing or you can just live a life of faith Mm -hmm. and it'll cover that thing. If you live a life of faith, it'll cover that. You know, it's not about living for that one thing I need. It's a life of faith, which touches every area Mm -hmm. and it causes us to be a blessing in every area. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, God, it, it says those who bless others will have blessings heaped on them and the one that pours out his life as a blessing will be saturated with favor. God is generous with the generous. I don't know if you know that. God is generous with the generous. And you want God to be generous with you. He got a lot more than you got. Isn't that right? You know, I had to learn to be generous in life. I wasn't always generous in my life. And I had to learn to be generous. And the secret to giving is very simple. Giving is not a burden. Amen. Now, we know that Jesus said it's more blessed. I think it was Jesus, maybe somebody else, but it's in the Bible. (laughs) It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, it doesn't say that it's not you're not blessed to receive. It says you're more blessed by giving because your giving then produces a receiving so that you can then give and then you receive and then you give and it creates that whole cycle. But it's a lifestyle. Cast your bread upon the water and then after many days, it'll come back to you. So it's a lifestyle isn't that right? Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> being generous and giving is a great blessing. Yes. It's greater than receiving. How many of you ever received? Yep. And how many have you ever given? Yeah. Is giving greater? Yes, yes it is. Great. Giving is greater. Okay. See, when we're generous with our life, not just your money, but when we're generous with our life, God can pour out into our lives. How many of you know that you would probably need more than money in your life? Well, you got to be generous with your life. If you're generous with your life, God will pour out into your life. Saturate you with grace and favor. Hallelujah. If you're generous with your life, God can be generous back to you. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 10. You know, God himself is our greatest example of generosity. That God, when it was time for him to give to the world, he gave his very best. He gave all that he had. God was willing to actually put heaven on the line. Because if Jesus failed, it would have been all over. Now, some people say, well, Jesus couldn't fail. He was God. Well, he didn't come as God. He gave up all of his rights and privileges of deity and walked as a man on the earth. Isn't that right? And um, he was in heaven for all eternity called the word. But then God created a body through Mary that that word came and lived inside of. And gave up all of his rights and privileges as the second person of the Trinity. And he uh, lived in that body on this earth for 33 and a half years. And he lives sinless. But if he would have ever sinned, then it would have been all over. Because the sin of Adam actually touched heaven. If Jesus would have sinned, it would have been the end of heaven. Isn't that right? And everybody would have been then subject to Satan. So thank God that Jesus did what Jesus needed to do. So the father gave his very best, which was his son. And... That's how generous he was, is that he would give you his very best, that there was nothing else left to give except his son. And um, God is generous with us today, just like he was back then. God is always generous. He's generous in the mercy that he gives you. Oh, thank God for the mercy of God. He's generous in the patience and forgiveness that he has towards you. He is generous with his love for you. Amen. Over and above, abundant. Everything about God is generous. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was a representation of the Father, and Jesus was generous. And here in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, when, when Peter was over in Cornelius' house, he says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now that little two-word phrase there, doing good. He went about doing good. All right. Now what does it mean to do good? Well, he walked through the street going, God bless you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. You know. No, that's not what doing good means. Doing good, actually, in the Greek, it means to confer benefits and to be a benefactor. And the the root word for this Greek word for doing good means to be philanthropic. That Jesus was a philanthropist. What do you think he did with the forty million dollars that he got from the wise men that came to see him? They didn't give him a mug that said "Best Jewish King Ever." In today's um, economy, the gifts the wise men brought him was worth about forty million dollars. And, of course, they had to escape to Egypt. They had to live in Egypt for a while, came back again. And, um, but Jesus was a philanthropist. A philanthropist is one who financially supports charitable works or a person who uses his financial resources to meet the needs of disadvantaged people. That's a philanthropist. Jesus had finances. Jesus had resources. Jesus had a treasurer. You don't need a treasurer if you don't have anything. If Jesus is the poor old religious poor old me Jesus, then he didn't need a treasurer. But he had a treasurer that actually stole from him. because there was enough there to steal from. Isn't that right? So Jesus had some bucks in the bank. Amen. Amen. So Jesus had the finances and it tells us here that he went about doing good because it was a large part of Jesus's ministry. And he used those resources to meet people's needs. And this is why we say that when he spoke to Bartimaeus, and he said, Bartimaeus, what would you have me to do? Well, what is it that you want? If Bartimaeus said, I'll tell you what, if you could give me a year's worth of alms, I wouldn't have to be out here on the street for a year. And Jesus would have given it to him. But he didn't say that, did he? Thank God he didn't say that, that his eyes were above money. So Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed. So not only did he heal the sick, cast out demons from those that were possessed, preached the word of God. He also generously reached out to help those who were disadvantaged. And Hebrews tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that right? God is generous. Jesus in his earth walk showed his generosity, and then he passed it on to the church. When he, said, when he was ascending into heaven and he told his disciples, now go and make disciples, he's given them the same thing to do that he did. Isn't that right? Didn't Jesus say, the works that I did shall you do also? You know, well, we think about the works he did. Well, you know, he cast out devils, he healed the sick. Well, what about the philanthropy part of his ministry? See how quiet it gets? He was a philanthropist. He went about doing good. So doing the works of Jesus goes beyond just touching people supernaturally. There's also the natural side. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 45. Acts chapter 2. It says, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. So this is right after Pentecost, okay? And the early church became spiritually alive on the day of Pentecost, glory to God. Touched by the power of God, they opened their hearts to God and they began to share with others. Because what does love do? All right, so they sold stuff that they had and they gave to meet each other's needs in the church. Now, they didn't know they were the church at that point, but they were the church. All right. And even when you see uh, in, in, in Corinthians, when Paul is writing and talking about uh, Macedonia and they were receiving an offering. Well, it was to go back, bring the offering back to Jerusalem for the poor disadvantaged saints that was within the church is that right? Amen. You've gotten quiet. You okay? Everybody all right? Okay. <laughs> so what were they simply, very, very simply saying here to the Lord? Lord, what I have is yours. I'm selling it. I'm giving it to help meet the needs of others. So if they were selling what they had to meet the needs of others, was the person doing the selling also having their needs met? See, and this is where people get afraid, and mostly it's your flesh that gets afraid. Well, if I do this, what am I going to get? Amen. And, you know, that's what keeps us from being generous. Lord, what I have is yours, is what they said. And when we express that, it is often a sign that God has moved in our heart. You, you know you know what a big sign is that God's moved in your, house, in your heart? You open your wallet and your purse, and you say, Lord, everything I have is yours. Now, don't misunderstand what I just said. I did not say everything you have belongs to the church. I did not say that, and don't even misquote me and tell somebody I said that. Otherwise, we'll have to come back and listen to the recording. I didn't say that. I said, Lord, all that I have is yours. Because hearts that are open to God are generous. And that's exactly what happened in the early church. Amen. Galatians 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. The Phillips translation says a man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. When I was younger, before getting married, after getting married, and even after getting saved, I was still stingy. And I don't mind saying it because it was stingy with a capital S. I was very stingy in life. And um, then one day, sitting in church, I come across this verse. And I realized, for the first time in my life, the harvest of my life was not good, (laughs) wasn't good. (laughs) You know, I never realized that. I thought, hey, we're doing pretty good, we're getting by, you know, things are still working, but it wasn't good. I didn't have a lifestyle of giving, but I did have one of getting. Mostly I had one of taking. That was before getting saved, but then as much as I got, it was never enough. Now I don't mean that it didn't have I didn't have enough. Like I was living in, oh, I gotta have more. I gotta have more. I gotta no. I was living in. I ain't got nothing. (laughs) That's what I was living in. Had nothing. All right. So we're not just talking about money. We're talking about anything. I didn't have any peace in my life. We didn't have any finances in our life. Health was an issue. Lots of things were issues. Anxiety. There was a lot of turmoil between me and my wife at the time. Somebody said, you know, when you got saved, your marriage was a little rough around the edges. I said, rough? You mean like somebody took a chainsaw to it? Everything and nothing in our life was really good. Although I had you, baby, and that was the best part of my life. <laughs> I could say that because she don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> so what was the problem with my life is that I didn't live to bless anybody. That was a big problem. Okay? I didn't pour out my life to be a blessing or to be a help to anybody. I was stingy. I was self-centered. I was self-absorbed. I was self-concerned. Everything was about me. I was the center of my life. <laughs> and that could show you what the problem is. But certainly, you know, being married and had two children when we got saved, I did care for my family. And I wanted them to be taken care of. But I was stingy. I was stingy, so therefore I had no good harvest in my life in anything. Nothing ever worked. Now, that doesn't mean you can't drive down and find something on the side of the road sometime, but I'm talking about things working in your life on a regular basis. But it comes from wanting to bless other people. Amen. Amen. Go over to Malachi chapter 3. You all know this verse. I really choked on this when I first got saved. In fact, I did not even understand what it meant. When I first got saved, I'm sitting in church, and the pastor talks about tithing. Well, I thought the man had a lisp, and he meant to talk about his tie, But he said, tithe, tithe. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'd never heard this word in my life. The biggest thing I ever heard sitting in church as a kid was, we want a silent offering today, which means no coins, only bills, you know. So I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't even know John 3:16 when I got saved. So here in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me or prove me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse, verse 11. And then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. So when I finally got an understanding from somebody, I, I would ask people, what's this tithe thing? And they'd say a tenth. And I'm like, a tenth? What are you talking about? And I finally got the understanding it meant a tenth of your income. I was choking a tenth of my... In- I couldn't live on 100%. And now you want me to give away 10%. This is craziness. But I realize it's in the Bible. The Lord has declared this. So therefore it's truth. Isn't that Right? So I realized I need to move in this direction. I don't know how this is going to work, but I need to at least move in this direction and expect to go this way. And finally, I took hold of it, and by the grace of God and making choices, I never retreated from that position of tithing. didn't matter what was going on in life. Tithe was always the first thing. When when I set up uh, uh, a—my daughter came back into town, and I set up a budget for her the first thing on the top of the list was the tithe. She told me how much she was making. She asked me to make up a budget. First thing I'm on the top of the list was the tithe. I said, that's first, and then comes all your bills. And I told her, I says, you have, I got good news for you. I says, you have enough money to pay for everything, except your food and clothes. <laughs> she says, well, why is that good news? I said, because Jesus said, don't be anxious about those things. But seek first his righteousness, his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. I said, So you can put your faith in that. And bless God, she did. And we never had to buy groceries or clothes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I realized that God wanted to open up the windows of heaven, but it was going to have to become a consistent lifestyle. And I realized at an early stage that tithing was just the bare minimum. Are you with me? Tithing is the very foundation for financial increase. You know, we've been talking about foundations on uh, Wednesday night. Well, tithing is one of those foundations. And you are then to work off of the foundation and build the house. So tithing is the foundation. It's the bare minimum. But then you had to build on that house. Isn't that right? Amen. And I realized, you know, it didn't take long, but I realized after a while that through the preaching of the word, nobody was after my money. (laughs) Which was a joke because I didn't have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever notice that? You know, oh, people were after your money. You ain't got no money. (laughs) It's so funny how we think. But they were actually, through the preaching of the word, they were trying to bring blessing and increase into my life. They were trying to be a help. And uh, because I wasn't brought up with that as a child and sitting in church as a kid, uh, it was never about teaching the Bible, which they probably didn't know, but it was never about trying to be a benefit to anybody. It was all about, we need your money. Which I don't know why they needed so much money with all the big marble pillars and all the gold, and, but that's another story. <laughs> hey, I don't mind stuff to honor God. You're going to honor God with stuff, you can, you know, and God should be honored. You know, uh, I remember Happy Caldwell up in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. He was going to build a church, and he was going to build like a pole barn church. And uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, I was born in a barn. I want something nicer than that. You know, well, we should honor God. You know, even uh, Keith Moore was talking about it this morning. When you come to church, you honor God. You know, and if you only own two t shirts, wash one of them, iron it, and wear it to church, and wear your nicest t shirt it doesn't have to be a level of you know competition of, of anything it's you you wear your best you wear what you've got to honor god because the book of revelation tells us that jesus in speaking to the churches says i know your works and the word know means i know it firsthand and it actually it says that he actually walked through the churches So if he walked through Ephesus and he walked through Smyrna and he walked through Pergamum and he walked through Thyatira and he walked through Sardis and he walked through Laodicea and he walked through Philadelphia, he's walking right here too. And if you'd realize that instead of just some, and I don't mean this rudely, but coming to church is a little more than a community of friends. This is about honoring the head of the church. That's why we gather together. That's why we worship him first and then ready to receive from him because we believe that he's here and he's ready to impart to us. We worship him. We honor him. And we should do so. I mean, you think, you know, some people say, well, you know, that that stuff just doesn't matter. I mean, you know, God don't really care about that. But then, you know, I think about Joseph. Joseph wrongly sold into slavery, wrongly thrown into prison, wrongly forgotten about by the cupbearer. And he's in there for years in slavery. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and cupbearer remembers Joseph. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph's in prison. But what does Joseph do before going to see Pharaoh? He cleans up. He shaves, he gets himself presentable, puts on better clothing instead of his prison wear, puts on better clothing to go see the Pharaoh because he wasn't going for Joseph. Joseph was going for the Lord. Joseph was honoring God. Joseph knew he was going before Pharaoh, but it was for the purposes of God. And he would honor God. By honoring being in the Pharaoh's presence. Are you with me? Now I'm not saying go out and buy a tuxedo. Don't misunderstand me. You know, when I first got saved, I came to church in blue jeans, my keep on truck and t-shirt, and sandals. That's all I owned. But they were clean when I came. <laughs> You know, when we first started on staff and the pastor said, well, you got to wear a suit, coat, and tie, well, we headed down to Goodwill, found a jacket for three bucks, found a tie. I didn't have anything. But you understand what I'm saying? It's all about honoring God. Well, we honor God with our tithe. Isn't that Right? And giving brings increase back into our life. When I started tithing and started going down that road, I still had not become generous. But little by little, things were going to change because I was headed down that road. Acts chapter 4. I don't know how I got on that other thing. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 33. It says and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to them was his own but all things were common property to them and with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. Hallelujah. Well this is another instance instance, just like Acts chapter 2 now in Acts chapter 4. All right. And the church is being generous. And how does God respond? Great grace was upon them all. The power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection in power. And there was great grace being poured out. Hallelujah. Great grace or abundant grace was on all the congregation that was moving in the corporate anointing of generosity. Hallelujah. Abundant grace. Unlimited grace and glory. Hallelujah! You know, I would when when I started tithing and all I was giving, I would start to see other people that were giving larger amounts than what I could give. Uh, but I had a growing desire to want to be able to give more. I knew at that point I couldn't, but I had a growing desire to want to be able to give more. But I didn't want to do it to be seen of men. I didn't care about what people thought. I mean, I saw people where they would personally walk up to the pastor and give him his whole year's tithe off the business or whatever and go, you know, and then, you know. But I didn't care about any of that. I wanted to be a blessing, and I wanted to honor God by being able to give. Okay? God was good to me. Has been God been good to you? God saved me. Has God saved you? God set me free. He set you free. Yeah. Amen. He's delivered us from an old lifestyle. Glory to God. Seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When there's generosity, God will always respond. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, 38. He says, give, and it will be given back to you, good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. All right? And I would read this, and I would, I'd sit there in church, the pastor's teaching, and I'd sit there, and I'd read that, and I'm thinking, that don't happen to me. So then I start thinking, well, maybe it's because of all the things I've done in the past and the Bible says that there's a lack in the house of the wicked. So maybe it's, you know, and I would go down this whole road of thinking all this stuff because that was not happening to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men pouring into your life. No, wasn't happening. But yet, guess what? The word of God is truth. The word of God is truth. So then the question comes up, is God lying? Or is it me? Well, the answer is obvious. (laughs) It was me. (laughs) But it wasn't because of my past. It wasn't because of the way I used to live. I was washed clean of all that. I'm a new creature in Christ, right? So there were just some things I didn't understand that didn't have working in my life. And he says here that, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Well, what is my standard of measure of giving? Well, it's a measure of capacity. Could be a measure of capacity. It could be a measure of the amount of giving. It uh, uh, could be as I increase my capacity of giving more, I will increase the capacity to return more. I mean, these are all the questions that arise in our minds. Isn't that right? Well, part of the answer is over in Mark 12 over to Mark chapter 12. Hi guys on live stream podcast. Glad you're out there today. Thanks for your comments. Glad that you've tuned in. Praise God. I know the word of God is a blessing to you because the word of God is always a blessing. Amen? Amen. 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 Mark 12 41 through 44. It says, and he sat, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounts to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly, I say to you, and truly means undoubtedly, undeniably, and irrevocably, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned and all that she had to live on. Okay, so she puts in two small coins. So the standard of measure or capacity for giving is not in the amount. This woman gave what most people in her position would say, I can't afford to give. that right and it doesn't say that Jesus watched what they gave it doesn't say Jesus watched how much they gave it says Jesus watched how they gave the rich gave what they could easily afford now they gave now when you look at capacity or, or you know maybe you measure things this way but if you look at the capacity you would say they gave a lot more than she did but what was the difference? Those folks only gave their money. This woman gave her life. That was the difference. Because remember what we read over in Proverbs, that when you give of your life to be a blessing, God will pour out favor and saturate favor on you. Are you with me? See, she gave a little bit what we consider in our own mind and our calculating mind, you know, well, you know, let's see, you know, well, that was $20,000. That's a whole lot more than just $5. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people in church do this, you know. They, I remember one year, this a number of years ago, Dennis Burke came and did um, services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. And um, I know somebody that put $25 in the offering. And then we, we always announce what the speakers get. And we said that that year he got $10,000 for an offering. And that person that put the $25 in said, well, I didn't know we had so many rich people here. See, because they're measuring amounts. God don't measure amounts. Amounts don't mean anything to God. If it did, that woman didn't give anything. Are you with me? He watched how they gave. Now, compare that to Hudson Taylor. How many of you remember the story of Hudson Taylor in London with that poor family? And God wanted Hudson Taylor to give the man, uh, he had a $20 coin in his pocket, and God wanted him to give him the $20 coin. And Hudson Taylor said, if I had two $10 coins, I'd gladly give him one. Well, of course, that doesn't cost you much. And of course, after, you know, Hudson Taylor's trying to pray with the family and all this stuff, and the conviction of the Lord is just on him. And he finally gave the family the $20 coin. It was all that he had, and it was what delivered that family. Amen. Are you with me? So when we talk about standard of measure and we say, well, it's not in the amount, our flesh right away says, well, good. I don't have to put in a large amount to be generous. That's what flesh says. Or flesh says, well, I'll put in a large amount and show that I am generous. But yet God's not looking at either of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I know what you're thinking. So what is he looking at? We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Building the case. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, okay? So you reap accordingly, sparingly or bountifully, right? So that means what? If you give a little, you're going to reap a little. But if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. I mean, it is pretty clear in the way he says that. If we're stingy, we're going to experience stingy results. But if we're generous, we're going to experience the generous supply of heaven, okay? So... Let me give you a little ca- account about the Dead Sea. You all know about the Dead Sea, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. That's why it's called dead. Yeah. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. The reason is the reason it's a Dead Sea is because it has no outlet, it's just a receiver. Then the Jordan River is filled with fish and all kinds of life in the Jordan River. But after the water from the Jordan flows into the Dead Sea, it becomes dead. The Dead Sea continually receives from the Jordan River. But because it has no outlet, it does not have the ability to produce or sustain life. You getting the picture? Scientists say this about the Dead Sea that if you would make an outlet for the Dead Sea so that water could flow out, then the waters of the Dead Sea would become alive. It's a powerful example of what God does not want us to be, receivers and not givers. God never intended for Christians to be on the receiving side only, taking money and possessions and keeping them to ourselves. God intends that we receive in order to flow right through us. Amen. Reminds me of a story of people that missionaries needed some supplies overseas, and people sent them their used tea bags. Used tea bags they sent to the missionaries overseas. Oh, yes, well, I've used these, so I'm just going to let them flow on through me. (laughs) I don't think so. Malachi chapter 1 says, give it to your governor. See what he thinks. You wouldn't bring it to your governor. What are you doing giving it to God? Right? As we have generously received, we need to generously give. Now look in verse 7. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So as long as we're giving generously, we'll remain spiritually vital and vibrant. When Christians only invest in themselves, in their families, or in their friends, they're not operating as God intended. God made us to be generous with others just like he is with us. And as we are faithful, then we can be sure that no matter how generous we are, we'll never outgive God. Because God's the biggest giver of them all. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Proverbs 11 again, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Now let's look at that in the message translation. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. See, I found my old self in the Bible. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So how do you know if you're a generous person? When a person does something generous, it's because he or or she has a generous attitude, okay? Generous people are not thinking about how little they can give. Generous people are thinking, I wish I could have done more. It's about the attitude of the heart, is what makes one generous or not. It's not about getting back. I'm not giving this because I need to get back. I'm, no, no, the generous person gives with an attitude of heart to be a blessing. Period. Are you with me? Generosity is not just about what you give to the ministry or even what you give to the Lord. Not about what you give in the church. It's about life. Generosity is demonstrated by what kind of tip you leave in the restaurant. Well, it depends on the service they get. Then you're not generous. Yeah, you're rewarding them for whether they give good service or not. Yeah. You're paying them for good service. But that's not generosity. I've had some lousy servers especially in the last two years, lousy service in restaurants. And I would think, let's give them more money. Maybe they can go do something different. (laughs) What kind of tip do you give to the person that cuts your hair? What about if somebody works on your car? Now, it's all relative. Don't misunderstand me. This is all relative, okay, where you're at economically. You know, if somebody was to say, well, I'm generous and I give 50% tip in the restaurant, that doesn't mean you have to, otherwise you're not generous. Generosity for you may be 22%. Depends on where you're at. But wherever you may be at, you're doing it based on what's in your heart, not what's in your paycheck. Now the re- the way I learned that, I learned that years ago is when I stopped going to the restaurant and I stopped ordering food off of the right side of the menu. You know what the right side of the menu is? Where all the prices are. I stopped ordering price in the menu and I started ordering what I wanted to eat. Don't shout me down. You understand? but that's because something was happening on the inside of me. Things were changing. So I started ordering food rather than ordering price. And you know, sometimes you take people out to eat and you could see them looking at the menu and you say, order whatever you want. Don't look at the price, order what you want. Amen. Now, some people say, well, you know, what if you can't afford that? Well, I have a charge card buddy, the Holy Ghost. Taught me a long time ago about how to get things paid off. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? A generous attitude. A generous attitude. Where we're at economically is what we can do. Maybe we can do a little more than what we think we can do. But whatever you do, you got to add faith to what you do and expect to be able to do more. Expect increase. You know, we've done this for years, that even when we would leave tips in a restaurant, I'd go home and I'd write it down. I'd write down, that's seed, that's a seed zone. seed sown, seed sown, seed sown. Glory to God. I'm expecting more because seed was sown. Hallelujah. So we're not talking about competing with each other. You know, well, they give that much, but I can only give this much. Or they do that. You know, it's all about heart condition. It's what's in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's what's in your heart to do. And you can't excuse. Okay, let me say it this way. Your heart is what? Your spirit and your soul right so the soulish part of your heart could be your emotion is your emotions and your mind and you can when it comes to a tip you know that mind is pretty quick most of the time and it can figure out what you got in the checkbook what you got in the bank what kind of bills are coming up and what can I afford for an extra tip I mean just boom just like that right but that can't be your direction It's what's in your spirit. It's what's in your spirit. See, because all those things that just went through your soul, what's in your spirit will be the answer for what's in your soul. It'll fix all that up. But it's about doing it in faith based on what the Word of God says. So generosity is not just an action, but it's an attitude that flows from the heart. Amen? All right, one more verse, Proverbs 22, 9. An attitude that flows from the heart. Hallelujah. And we're all born again spirits. Got the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. He can lead us. He can guide us. He can direct us way beyond our head that wants to put on the brakes and put up a detour. Proverbs 22, 9. Generous hands are blessed hands because they give bread to the poor. Now, the English Standard Version says it this way. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. Oh, there it is. I didn't know we had that. Praise God. (laughs) So, a bountiful eye, when we become generous, we'll start to see things differently. You know, it's like people say, oh, God, oh, God, give me a heart for missions. No, just give them $200, and you'll be interested more than you ever were. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. 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 When we become generous, we will start to see things differently. Now, I've told you this over and over again. Back in 1998, October 1998, sitting in a service in Texas, I felt a hand come on my shoulder, and I heard these words, Today I have delivered you from a poverty mentality. Stingy was gone. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know, but that was 1998. I got saved in 1981. I started tithing in 1981. I started going in the direction of doing offerings and seeds and giving money that I just didn't have money to give and believe in God for more. So from 1981 to 1998 is 17 years. After 17 years of living that consistent lifestyle, the Lord came and broke that poverty mentality that I was brought up with because that was in me. See, that was in me. There's a big difference between things that are in you and things that are coming at you major difference on how you deal with it okay so for the things that was in me from the time I was a child about poverty and poor being brought up in the slums of Brooklyn and uh, 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 being stingy because of all of that and all that was bred into me and it took 17 years of consistently walking with the Lord and moving in the direction financially that that finally got broken off of me glory to God Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, but it happened because of faith and it happened because of what the Word of God said and what it happened because of being able to do my best to do what the Word of God said and push into that direction. Not sitting there and going, well, I tell you what, if I had a million dollars, I'd be able to. You wouldn't do a squat thing if you're not doing it now. Don't tell me that stuff. You're lying to yourself. You're deceived. I had this one guy would tell me when I worked in this one automotive shop in, in the uh, uh, early 80s. And he, he would always come to me and he go, I know that you're a minister in the church. And he goes, and I'll tell you what, when I hit the big one at the racetrack, I'm going to give money to your church. I'm thinking, you're a dog. You ain't giving nothing. You're not giving nothing now. All you want is some kind of a tax deduction. Are you with me? The big difference between tax deduction and generosity. (laughs) Uh, But he was a nice guy. He was a nice guy. We'll begin to see things differently when we become generous. What are you going to see? You're going to start seeing opportunities to be a blessing to other people. Not just with money, with your life helping people, doing things for people. I mean, all kinds of opportunities. Are you with me? This is what I had to learn in going beyond the tithe until something happened in 1998 that helped me to move beyond that into generosity. Amen. I remember... We used to give in offerings, and we'd give maybe $10, $15 in an offering. And I remember the day the Spirit of God said, your offering will never be less than $50. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> okay. All right. So we started going in that direction. Then I remember sitting in convention, and the Lord said, in these type of meetings, your offering will never be less than $500. I'm like, mm. Okay. Then I remember sitting in a meeting and the lord said give $10,000. That was a joke. I looked at my wife because you know to do anything you got to be in agreement. <laughs> so I looked at my wife to get me out of it. And I said, "So, what do you think we should give today?" She said, I don't know what the number is, but it's four numbers. I'm like, four numbers. That's anywhere between $1,000 and $9,999. Just add a dollar to it. <laughs> Make it $10,000. So then uh, afterwards, I mean, I was like this. I was visibly shaken. And um, afterwards, we had lunch with the staff at the convention. I couldn't even tell them what we gave. I had to write it down on a napkin. I go, this is what we gave in the offering. 'Cause I'd never given that amount of money. And then a number of years later, the Lord said twenty thousand. And I'm like, is there anybody else up there that can talk to me? <laughs> you, know? you know. And that happened two days in a row. Two two years in a row rather. But you know what? That giving is what built the church. That giving is what got us through 2007 when the economy crashed, when it, when, it, when it collapsed. All that giving is what did that. It provided the future. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So changes started to take place in my heart, and I expect that they continue to change. I'm not saying like, oh, man, I tell you what, we're generous. It's good. It ain't never good. It's always more. It's always pressing in for more, always being able to do some more. A change continues in my heart, and a change will continue in your heart. And continue to grow in seeing things differently more and more. Because we're growing in being a cheerful, hilarious, and glad-to-do-it giver. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. generosity is not just what we do. Generosity is who we are. And that's what we press in for, to become the generous. Because when I become the generous, I will be generous. Isn't that right? And as as I said, there's, there's different levels of generosity. We're not comparing, you know, with each other. This is not about competition or anything. We are all at different levels and all at different places. So we're not competing with one another. But we're always looking, no matter where we're at, we're always looking to grow further into this character of God who is generous. And that's part of the character of God, and that's what we want to grow into. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We give you all the glory and all the praise. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Father, I just thank you for your word today, that you have spoken it to us, spoken it in us, that you've made it alive on the inside of us, Lord, that it's given us cause to examine, cause to ponder, cause to look at where we're at and realize and decide that we want to go further in you. Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, that these things become alive on the inside of each and every one of us. That that desire starts to grow within us, to move further, to go on, to reach Father in you and to produce in our life that which is needed so that you can be a blessing to other people. Father, here I am. Bring it to me so that it can pass through me and touch other people. Father, it's not for me, but it is for those that you would have to be blessed. I know that I'll live off of the uh, overflow of whatever it is because the generous will be generous and those that water will themselves be watered. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we come before you with our giving this morning, I thank you for the opportunity to bring in our tithes and our offerings that because of the tithe, Father, that's... You open the windows of heaven. Every time we bring a tithe in, the windows are being opened up. That the devourer is being rebuked for our sake. I thank you for that, Father. That as we give, it's given back to us. That as we sow our seed, Father, increase comes back into our life. But, Father, more than all of that, we sow and we give because we love you. We're thankful for all that you've done for us. That you have given us the very best heaven had to offer. And we give to you of our substance to honor you, to bless you, to praise you, and to thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, 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 glory to God, glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need an envelope, it's on the seat back in front of you for crash or credit card giving. If there isn't one there, just lift your hand to the usher and he'll serve you with one. Live stream, podcast, wherever you may be online. Thanks so much for being with us today. Praise God. It's always a joy to be able to share the Word of God and allow the Word of God to work into your life, to touch you right where you're at. For the anointing is not hindered by distance, but it's right where you're at, because it's not about places, it's about position. And when you're in position to receive wherever you may be, then because of that position, you receive from the anointing of God. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link. I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can pray with you about, please let us know. It's always considered to be an honor and a privilege that our prayer team is ready to stand with you for your needs to be met. So let us know. We'll put you on our prayer list, and you will be a part of our prayer meetings. Amen.